This week on Dig Me Out. When the vocal is not there, it sounds really chaotic. But then the vocal comes in and it, all of a sudden it makes sense. Tim and Jay review Gone by Beasts of Bourbon. Hello and welcome to another episode of Dig Me Out. I'm your host, Tim Minichi, and joining me once again, my co-host, Jason Ziak. Jay, guess what kind of episode this is? Chocolate. Chocolate? No, Jay, it's not a chocolate episode. Peanut butter. Why is it all food with you? No, it's... A requested review episode, Jay. Requested, requested review. review. We haven't had one of these oh, in a while. Oh, yeah. So this is uh, Mr. Gavin Reed, our old friend from Australia. He's back with uh, his third requested review of the year, which ding, ding, ding. When you hit the third requested review, you get your fourth for free. So at the start of the 2015 season, Gavin's fourth free review will be coming up couldn't squeeze it into this year since there's only one more review episode left after this and then we do the uh, wrap-up episode so kevin's gonna have to wait until the turn of the calendar before we get to that one but this week we are reviewing a pick of his uh, a band called beasts of bourbon not burden but bourbon and their album Gone from 1997. Jay, were you familiar with the band Beasts of Bourbon? No, absolutely not. Did you know that recently China put forth language to ban puns? Okay. Why, why is that? Because there was it causes issues in communication that can okay. Yes. That's it, basically because it's it's not good. Anything not good is bad. So Oof. Okay. So the beasts of bourbon would be in trouble. That's yeah. a pun. Although they, they do like their, or is that, I'm thinking of Japan. They really like their whiskey there. Yeah, you're thinking of Japan. Although uh, whiskey's growing, I know this from my job, mm-hmm. growing in, in China quite a bit. Basically anything perceived as being opulent, which bourbon would fit in. So maybe they would get a pass. <laughs> Perhaps. I'll contact the Chinese consulate and uh, find out. <laughs> we need this information yeah uh jay so we're going to talk uh about their 1997 album gone uh but the history of beasts of bourbon actually goes back much uh farther than 1997 uh way back to uh, 1983 actually so uh, let's get into the history of beasts of bourbon history of the band as I mentioned, the band formed in uh, Australia. They were Sydney, Australia, New South Wales, to be exact. In 1983, the original lineup was James Baker on drums, not the former Secretary of State of the United States, but the ex-Hoodoo Gurus drummer, James Baker. Uh, Spencer P. Jones on guitar. He was in a band called The Johnnies. Tex Perkins on vocals. He was in a band called The Dum Dums. Um, Kim Salmon on guitar. And Boris Sajovdik, I don't know, it's like a uh, Eastern European last name that I'm not sure how to spell or pronounce exactly. 
and he was on bass. And Kim and uh, Boris were both in a band called The Scientists, which we'll get to a little bit later. Um, except for Jones and Perkins, the lineup has changed multiple times. And the other thing that you should know about this band is they have broken up and gotten back together about five times. So the original lineup was together from 1983 to 1995. They made an album called The Axeman's Jazz in 19, and that was released in 1984. And it was the best-selling alternative rock album in Australia in 1984. They uh, broke up and then reformed in 1987 and put out their second album. It was called Sour Mash. And that came out in uh, 1988. Band stayed together uh, long enough to release uh, Black Milk in 1990 and then The Low Road in 1991. And then they broke up two years later in 1983. They reformed again in 1996 and recorded Gone, which was released in January of 1997. And then they broke up again. Then they got back together in 2003 and played together for a couple years before releasing... The album Little Animals in 2007. And then they broke up again. And then they got back together in 2013. <laughs> and they, that which was for their 30th anniversary, obviously, from 1983. And they've been playing shows and released a triple live album, 30 Years on Borrowed Time, in August of 2013. Same, so you're saying the same guys? Like no, different. It's them getting back together. So there's been more than just there's been different drummer, different guitar players. Basically, Tex and Spencer are the only two guys that have consistently been in the band. And when they did these 30 year anniversary shows, they brought out the different members of the band from the different eras to play on the songs. Whatever songs that whatever era it was from, that member of the band would come out and play. So they don't have like a a bad relationship with the former members. People just went on to do other things. The band was never consistent enough to keep everybody together for a long period of time. Um, I mentioned the band, the scientists, that's sort of a, a key band because the scientists are considered sort of a, a precursor and an influence on bands like mud honey. They're like sort of sloppy garage punk rock style was uh, one that the, the scientists are credited with in terms of influencing and a lot of the New York um, punk bands from the uh, 80s, scientists are where it's at. Uh, Mud Honey mentions in there. There's a book uh, that was written about Mud Honey. Came out I think a year or two ago, and Mud Honey talks about. I read a, an excerpt from it. They talk about when they would tour Australia. They wouldn't just go and play a show every single day and then leave. They actually like go play a show and then they just hang out for like four or five days and then go and play the next show. So they actually got to spend a lot of time with the bands that they were playing with. And they became pretty good friends with Beasts of Burden, Bourbon. And um, that's how they ended up. And they ended up recording down there, uh, putting out spe- like singles just for the Australian market. And uh, that's where the scientists sort of come into play in terms of being an influence. I guess they you know, had known about them and wanted to get down there and check them out. So, so a lot of these bands that I mentioned, the Scientists and the Johnnies, and um, they were they were concurrent with the Beasts of Bourbon. They were not like before or after. Like these guys were moving in and out of the band while they were playing in the other bands. So, and they were also in bands called the Cruel Sea and Salamander Jim and the Kim Salmon and the Surrealists. 
So a lot of stuff going on there. We should talk about... Well, before I do, I want to just mention if you want to request an album for us to review, uh, head to our request review page at digmeoutpodcast.com. That'll be for our 2015 season. So Gavin, who suggested this album, gave us some, some notes and some feedback. He said, these guys, along with the scientists and various other bands, were are where I believe a significant part of the grunge sound came from. Mudhoney Mud Honey openly referenced them and the various crossovers of members. This is a late album, but it's still good. The singer Tex Perkins is the Australian equivalent of Mark Lanigan. And he also said, uh, looking forward to this, anyone who loves grunge should trace back this band and its various members. So I think we've done that a little bit in terms of uh, the scientists and him mentioning Tex. I think that's partially uh, because of the got some vocal uh aspects that remind me of mark lanigan I, I, he has a similar uh career in terms of being a solo artist and and being a uh you know member of various bands he's done stuff like uh tex perkins and his lady boys tex perkins and the dark horses tnt the cruel he was in the cruel sea butcher shop a lot of bands this guy's been in tex perkins okay all right so Let's get into the album, Jay. Let's talk about what we liked and what we didn't like. I'm going to go first. I think I threw it to you first last time. Do it. So so I'll take take the wheel on this one. I'm going to talk about what I liked. I liked the... uh, There's like a ramshackle quality to a lot of this album. It sounds... Let's say they live up to their name. Um, It sounds a little little drunken, sloppy drunken. There's a lot of guitar parts that are a little wild and go off kilter. There are... How do I say it? There's a lot of different moods on this record. There's a lot of different takes on, I don't want to say, I guess blues, um, but it's much more fractured than your typical blues. Um, there's a lot of uh, punkish, um, messy, I'm thinking like uh, Make Them Cry would be a good example. Track three. Sort of these like bursts of energy, um, and then they counter that with uh, mellow grooves. I don't know how to how to say it exactly. Uh, it mellow sounds like grooves. it sounds like I'm talking about an R and B album, but yeah. this is a this is a band that really jumps around from song to song. Um, but they're but they maintain this like bar band quality that's mm-hmm. really kind of unique and cool. In some ways, they sound. A sound band, I would describe yeah. it. Like, there's a particular tone to the vocal and to the instrumentation, and they could play almost anything, and it would sound like them. Yeah, and in right. some ways, they remind me of the replacements in that way, where mm-hmm. it's it's just 
not quite perfect and that's okay because what you're getting across in the playing is it feels alive i guess you'd say um it doesn't feel like it's over it's overthought or overwrought it just feels it feel, a lot of it feels very in the moment um and i especially liked i guess on this record who would be the second guitar player on this record let me look that up for a second. Well, it's weird because the uh, you were describing that guitar. It's usually in the left ear, it seems. Sometimes they flip them. But I found that Charlie the Owen. Ear... Charlie okay. Owen's the second it... guitar player. So between him okay. and Spencer Jones, are the, that's where the guitar playing. Not only does that guitar get a little off kilter, there's times when it's just not. It, like it, you can tell the guitar is turned on, but he's not even playing. <laughs> it's like you're waiting. Like you can hear like the hum of the guitar there. And there'll just be like a little bit of a, you know, a little whine out of it, like a little bit of feedback, and then it stops. You're like, what is he doing? Is he going to come in at some point here? Or, you know, it's more of like uh, creating ambience sometimes. And there's other times where they're, they're definitely, you know, riffing together and playing together and playing off the vocal. But there's a couple spots in here where I found that interesting, just having that tension of like knowing that instruments turn on and it can come in at any point, but it's, it's not. It was, well, you know, uh, was you different. know what it reminded me of? It remind like, and, and there's a lot of parts where it's just like spazzing out, like in the first song. It's just, mm-hmm. do, and it reminded me a lot of the Matthew Sweet era, like, um, hundred percent fun girlfriend when Robert Quine was playing guitar, and he would just do these like sometimes it would be really melodic, but sometimes he just do like these crazy leads, more so on hundred percent fun when Richard Lloyd was also playing guitar. But there's there's some really like unmelodic, almost Neil Youngish um, guitar playing spasms. Yeah, that happened that I really liked that song and um, a couple other ones. There's also some moments where it really, uh, I think I suppose is a good example where that guitar starts, that second guitar is wailing feedback and bending notes, and but it's it's actually close to being synced up with the vocal. You know, it kind of becomes like the counter to the main vocal, which is a, a, a cool dynamic to have where it can be sort of out in space on its own, but then also come in and become more integrated into the song i think that's actually fairly uh fairly well done and, and pretty 
pretty interesting. And that's interesting because right after that song, right after I Suppose, is What a Way to Live, in which the guitars are much more like locked into a particular, this sort of weird marching rhythm yeah. that goes on. Yeah. And, and I got to be honest, those are the songs that I I don't like as, as much. Um, so What a Way to Live and even like Fake, track two, mm-hmm. um, where things get, they lose that that what was the term you used mellow grooves um, ramshackle was that the term? okay sure this dr- drunken swagger you know um, yeah where it's kind of mid-tempo and I, I think in general i'm not a fan of mid-tempo <laughs> you go back and listen to this a lot of older episodes we're probably you know most critical of the songs that are you know in that uh range as opposed mm-hmm. to the up-tempo or, or ballad like um, but they do it really well because it it fits the vocal style really well. So you get this just like really loose, relaxed, but still like a little, you know, gritty. And it just feels like, I don't know, a bar or something, you know, it just it fits that mood perfectly. So those those songs in that in that tempo work better when they get like staccato or overly aggressive and the tempo picks up it becomes too mechanical for me um so those two songs i mentioned and then even like um even like is that love which has this middle eastern sounding guitar riff yeah and super distorted guitars but it's really really aggressive it just doesn't have that swagger to it and it's not it's not interesting to me you know it's just uh it doesn't suit the natural sound i think of this band um as well so I, I in terms of what i like i'm way more into stuff like saturated i think that's that's by far to me the strongest song on the record um great feel it's got uh, a guitar and, and vocal melody that's really locked up but still off kilter enough to be interesting you know so it's it's memorable you know that's that's one as soon as i put it on i got excited was hoping the whole record was going to be like that and um it, it kind of goes some other places um there are some moments where it starts to approach back in that territory vocally i, I like it quite a bit um not only the sound of it is is interesting and different but some of the phrasing reminds me um like greg dooley a little bit like there's some attitude there that that was reminiscent of that uh, the song like make him cry that's one thought i had um, musically, it's it's quite a bit different, but and then I guess the one song where maybe it gets a little bit groove oriented that works for me is probably "Get On." Yeah, I was going to mention that one. 
actually my note on that was that it sounds like a more interesting soul coughing to me got that i don't know i don't want to say jazz but there's some kind of groove there that's reminiscent of that band and the vocal delivery is kind of spoken and it's kind of laid back but uh because of the looseness the band plays with and the tones that they play with you know how gritty the guitars are and, and how you know a little bit of fuzz on the bass here and, and those sorts of things and just the feel that they have it, it just sounds more interesting to me than their super tight you know high musicianship that you associate with soul coughing. Uh, it's weird you said soul coughing because I don't. I heard more like Radiohead, The Bends, or like later Blur when they got experimental, and they would just sort oh, of okay. wrap their song around a groove and just sort of like bring in bleeps and bloops here and there. And it had that like uh, like Blur's Thirteen album and some of the B sides like uh, for for Radiohead on um, The Bends have that kind of kind of like groove feel I, th- I thought that song in terms of the slower and quieter songs that song and i thought that sinking feeling again which has like this dirge feel mm-hmm. to it i thought those worked really well i think you and i might be on the same page where when they tried to get louder and crazier it sort of felt like they were losing the plot a little bit maybe it's because it's you know this is over 10 years into the band and they don't have that same you know kind of fire so they're trying to they're trying to write the up tempo songs, whereas maybe some of the earlier stuff is more natural sounding when they're getting loud and crazy. I'm not sure. Yeah, it just on it's just sounded disingenuous, uh, and I don't know enough about the band to analyze why that is. But I just my perception of it was those songs felt a little more forced. Yeah, and the mid more mid tempo stuff based in more of a like a. I want to. Say, I don't know what the right term is. Singer songwriter kind of chord structurey kind of thing. Maybe Neil Youngish kind of space, but you know, more ragged and grungy seemed to be the best fit for them. What I also about- heard a lot of Tom Waits. Yeah, especially on some of the stuff that gets really slow, which I don't like as much. But can't help but think that he wasn't a huge influence on this band. I, I agree. I'm not a big Tom Waits fan. Uh, I don't dislike him. I just, I haven't gotten into him. Yeah. Um, I, I've not heard either, a thing here I... and there that I've kind of enjoyed, but he, he to me is, just, I'm just a generation removed, I guess. Like, I know he's big in the 70s, 
and uh, and people that are a little bit older than me, you know, like ten years older, and not necessarily in a different generation, but just a few, you know, five or ten years older, seem to be way more into Tom Waits than people that around my age. So, but just in terms of the vocal sound and the delivery, and some of the some of the music gets a little eclectic in terms of I don't know how it's performed and that that and even just the groove uh, stuff and some of the slower less melodic material felt Tom Waitsy to me. Gotcha. What did you think about uh, the mentions of Mud Honey? Um, could you get a sense of that Mud Honey sound from what you were hearing here? Only the the like the the feed guitar feedback kind of thing and the looseness of the guitars. Mm. They do this this thing where uh, I think Mud Honey does this quite a bit too, where like whenever they they stop playing the guitar, it like immediately feeds back. So you kind of get like chord and then wah and then chord and wah, you know, and it becomes part of the right. It becomes part of the sound. Um, yeah, that's that and this the two guitars that are you know crisscrossing each other and they're always even when they're playing the same thing they're just always a little bit off and i i found it to the point where uh maybe mud honey is similar in that when the vocal is not there it sounds really chaotic but then the vocal comes in and it, it just all of a sudden it makes sense um and it really is the glue you know the melodic glue that holds together most of this material and without it it's just chaos yeah, I agree. I was hoping there would be more in terms of the Mudhoney th- stuff. There would be there was going to be some more of the hooks that Mudhoney would write. I feel like Mudhoney oh, yeah. has a a good melodic ear, even though it's you know sort of packaged in this chaos of of out of control guitars, like you mentioned, and the rhythm section is usually all over the place and the the vocals themselves are going off kilter, uh, but there's usually these hooks that I don't are not necessarily present in this band in the same way. I feel like there's more attitude that was derived than actual, I guess, uh, songwriting styles or or abilities in, in terms of what what they got out of it. Probably because I, I kind of feel like American punk bands. Or post, I don't know, you can't really call them Mudhoney post-punk. Um, but they always have that, like, uh, Ramones sound to draw from, as far as, I guess, you know, early. And the Ramones obviously wrote massive hooks yeah. for their yeah. songs. So I feel like a lot of American bands that draw from punk in some way, because of the Ramones, probably have a a better ear for that. Where I feel like... This band wasn't necessarily again. This is based on their 1987 or 1997 album, not based on their 1984 album. They're not necessarily going for that same sort of hook. A lot of this is more mood than chorus driven. It's more. I feel like the songs are mood driven, and they're going for a particular mood because a lot of the songs don't necessarily have a lot of dynamic shifts. They kind of have an idea, and then that idea is the singular idea for the whole song. Yep. And I and I I wouldn't see the comparisons as being from a songwriting perspective at all. You know, I would see the comparisons being from a more musical approach. You know, music approach and just instrumentation and execution and that sort of thing um, between this band and Mud Honey. 
the songwriting I think is completely different. In fact, I think you can start to argue that this band barely does any songwriting. <laughs> you know, like you just set up in terms of there's a mood that they're going for and a general theme, and they usually just repeat that, you know, through the whole song and just kind of play with the instrumentation and the the lyric and maybe introduce a chord change here or there, but for the most part that's as sophisticated as it gets from a songwriting standpoint. Let's talk about um, our overall ratings on this record. This is a tough one because I feel like I liked a lot of the record. Like there was nothing that I was like, except for mullet and unfolded mullet being track four and unfolded being track 12, which are mullet has sort of like, I don't know, distorted nonsensical vocals. I couldn't make out. And then unfolded is, I think, mostly instrumental. I I didn't dislike any of the songs. I just didn't necessarily, I didn't necessarily have anything that was after the first track, like you mentioned, that was a, a standout. That there were like the album, nothing was like, oh, I gotta skip this track because I've heard it twice now and it's awful. Uh, but there was nothing that necessarily caught my ear. Usually, what caught my ear was like the, whatever the opening sort of riff or whatever they built at the beginning. We go okay well that's this this is the groove this is the groovy song or this is the freak out song or this is the middle eastern song that's how i kind of would identify them um, when i was listening to them but i wouldn't necessarily couldn't tell you what the chorus was for the song and it led me to kind of you know i i'd hate to say this is a single i could probably pull like four songs that i think are cool like saturated uh, make them cry get on and I think I'd go with I suppose probably my four tracks but I don't think it's actually unlistenable it's just I think once you get the general idea they just play those same songs just in repackaged a little differently um, for the other other you know six five or six songs I didn't pick it just didn't quite connect with we me the way that I was hoping it was after that first track but what about you Jay uh, I really like the sound of the band so some of that repetition that you're talking about, you know, for that reason doesn't bother me as much. Um, just because I just, like I said, they're one of the, they're they're one of those bands that have it has a very unique sound and presentation, and they could play almost anything, and it would sound like them. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you like that sound, that's great. So um, part part of me is you know pretty forgiving of that. The other part though wants more you know a lot of these songs have so much potential to go to all kinds of cool directions and they just don't develop uh yeah they're one they're one idea and that's it and they just ride that out and and the song and so many of them they built they, they, they would be so great at you know building tension and going to you know maybe go into a loud part or cutting out and just focusing on the vocal and there's so many dynamic things that with a band like this that you could do that would be so cool. Um, the You know, the tension they build with the guitars and already, you know, but playing that up even more. Um, they could even get super melodic. You know, I could see this band, you know, you see it in a song like Saturated. I mean, they have the ability to be like a, almost a roots rocky kind of, mm-hmm. almost even a tinge of country-ish, you know, kind of under the theme underneath everything. But, do it in a really unique 
in a way that's that's true to, to the way they sound, but way more melodic and way more, you know, song oriented. So I think there's, you know, those are two directions you could take this band. They don't go in either, you know, to your point. I think it's just can feel like a one trick pony through the whole record. So I'm not at a single. I mean, I'm at an EP. It's one of those records where, like I said, I put it on. I got really excited by the sound of the band. I got really excited by that first track. And I was a little let down that it didn't go in some places I hoped it would. Yeah, I mean, my, my rating's at, at an EP. I, I've got one, two, three, four, probably five songs um, that I thought were, were pretty good. All right, well, that's two EPs for myself and Jay. I need to thank Gavin Reed for suggesting this record. And uh, we'll be getting to his fourth one at the start of the 2015 season. If you'd like to suggest an album for us to review, head on over to our request review page at Dig Me Out Podcast. Com. And of course, if you feel like leaving some positive feedback, uh, fee- please visit our iTunes page. Write us a little note. That'd be great. That's it. One more review for the rest of the season. That's it. And we're into our uh, wrap up. Then we start the 2015 season. Big things on the horizon for the 2015 season. Can't wait to tell you all about it. For Jay, I am Tim, and we are out. We'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out. Join the conversation about this episode at digmeoutpodcast.com, where you can find links to our Facebook page and Twitter feed, as well as links to our request a review and merchandise pages. So long.